Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Hey, welcome Revival Life Church. It's so good to see you this morning. Amen, 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 amen. How are you guys doing? Did you, did you guys enjoy winter on Wednesday? Did you enjoy it? Winter came on Wednesday this year. That was nice. That was nice. It's going to be Christmas in what, 19 days? 19 days till Christmas? Amen? Yeah, yeah. Is anybody, this is weak. Either we're excited about Christmas or we're not, are we? We're excited about Christmas. I am. I'm looking forward to giving good gifts this year. Um, I'm, 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 I'm believing next year we can just get together with family and, and uh, I'm like, uh, you got any of those uh, vaccines? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready to be with people. Hey, we're in our uh, message series, The Gospels. If you've been with us, um, uh, for those who are guests today online, welcome. We have guests every week. Um, and we, I was talking to some friends that I have, uh, believe it or not, I have friends. And I was talking to them, their ministry, and they were telling me uh, how, how many churches just, like, they had to open and close and open and close and open and close. I'm thankful that we decided to take our time. I'm, I'm glad that we decided to uh, wait until it was safe so that um, we can do this safely and not have to open and close and open and close because that would be embarrassing. Um, I think we will, I'm guessing, you know, hospitalizations are up about 30%, just to keep you guys kind of informed on what we're thinking about. Um, we're still way under where we were in the peak, from what I understand, um, and I'm hoping that um, things turn around quickly. I'm hoping we don't have to close again, but I wouldn't be surprised if Florida didn't have to do some sort of shutdown. Just a reminder, we do what the CDC says, um, we just try to stay out of the political battle uh, for truth, and we just try to go with science. Uh, because we're saved and we don't have to be in person. But if we're able to be in person, we need to be. Amen? If you're able to be in person, you need to be in person. What God is doing here is phenomenal and we love it. And um, part of what we're doing is not reactionary, uh, but uh, we decided that we're going to teach on the four Gospels. We're going to talk about what the Bible is, where it comes from, to make sure we have a sure foundation in our faith. It's funny how many of us believers uh, quote scriptures that we don't understand. And uh, we hold on to promises God never made. And then we get super mad at God that he didn't do what we thought he would do when he never said he would do it in the first place. Uh, and so we've been kind of studying uh, the New Testament. We uh, did a message on uh, the Gospels in general, where they came from and their uh, major themes. Uh, we've worked our way from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Today we are in the Gospel of John. Who's enjoyed the reading plan? I've super enjoyed reading with you through the New Testament. I've had a good time. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to say something to my wife now because I'm super embarrassed. Honey, I forgot to get my water. And I can't see out of these glasses. I don't know what happened to them. Hey, look, there you are. Look at that. I'm a new glasses wearer. If, for those who don't know, I am. Um, uh, I just started in the last couple of years. Apparently, uh, Jesus wants me to walk by faith. Um. And so that's what I'm, anyways, so uh, the Gospel of John is the fourth gospel in uh, the New Testament. It's the fourth book of the Bible. Of course, it separates Luke and Acts, which are kind of my favorites because they're uh, pneumatology and the work of the Spirit. This is how our Orthodox brothers like to paint uh, John. John, of course, was older when he wrote his books, First John, um, not the Gospel of John, but First John is probably the deepest theological, like the, the most mature uh, theological book in the Bible because it was written kind of uh, later. 
than the others. And there's Mike Rentler screaming with the kids. So they're having a good time. That's, that's great. We don't hear the kids. We just hear the biggest kid back there. <laughs> I love him. So what a blessing. Um, in ancient uh, biographies, as we've said before, lives didn't begin at birth. They began when someone did something significant. If they were to tell the story of a president's life, they would start at maybe his running for office or uh, the first major legislation that he passed. And it's when they first appear on the stage, as we have noticed, uh, that the stories begin. In uh, Mark, uh, you know, the story begins at the baptism. Uh, and in Matthew, um, the, Matthew counted the significance of Jesus' life to begin at the miraculous birth. Remember that? And um, the Gentile wise men came and saw him. That's kind of where, where Matthew had it together. Luke, uh, it was earlier, if you remember, it was the miraculous conception of John the Baptist. So he wanted to go back a little bit farther than the others to the forerunner who prophesied the coming uh, of Jesus. Now, John, John's a little more interesting here. John took a quantum leap backwards, right? Now, John was the, the, the son of Zebedee. He was the brother of James. And he was, if we read the Gospel of John this week, it's important to remember he was writing to Greco-Romans. He didn't have a primarily Jewish audience uh, like Matthew. In, um, and he didn't have a, a, a Jewish audience in Rome like Mark. Remember this? And uh, he didn't have a, uh, a patron like Luke. He was actually writing to a, a church of Greco-Romans. And, and the, John, the community of John uh, was kind of separate from other communities. And so while Matthew, Mark, and Luke kind of were influenced by one another, John's gospel reads a little different because he had his own community. But miraculously, he covers a lot of the same stuff as the other scriptures. Now, the symbol, as we looked at the other gospel writers, his symbol was the eagle. And the eagle is said to have vision, and he could look into the burning sun. And the eagle flies majestically above the scene, uh, doesn't look at things closely until it's ready to zoom all the way in. And um, I, I, think, uh, I think it's important to recognize, again, that each of these gospel writers had a different perspective on the same Jesus. They had a different angle of seeing the same God. And, and we can only see the full picture of God when we see all the angles of Jesus from these gospel writers. And the question that John wanted to answer to his reader is, who is Jesus really? Who, who is this man really? And where did he really come from? These are the questions that he really wanted to answer. Who is he really? And where did he come from? And, and so we have this eagle. If you see here in, in kind of historical art, you always see John looks a little older in the paintings. They show him with an eagle and they show him with a pen in his hand because he was a great, great writer. And so as we seek to answer these questions, who was Jesus and where did he come from? There's a there's a, a term for this. And if you're taking notes, write this down. It's called Christology. Christology is the study. It's, it's an explanation of Christ's origin and his nature. Who is Jesus? And a lot of times when people ask, who is Jesus? We'll give his attributes. Uh, when we talk about God, we talk about what God does. Like we say, well, you know, he's loving. 
and uh, he's kind and he knows all things. Those are all attributes of him. Who is he? Well, John said that God is love. He's not loving. He is love. Uh, There's a difference. And we have to understand uh, who is Jesus? We could say, well, you know, he died on a cross. Yes, yes, that is an attribute of him. Uh, He he was a prophet. Uh, And many people would agree on his attributes. But in Christology, we want to figure out what is his very nature. And, and this, is what, this is what John seeks to explain. Let's look here at the very beginning. We're going to go through a little bit more scripture today than normal, but it's going to be good, I think, right? Amen. So John chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1. He starts in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, Jesus. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that was, has not come into being. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, here's what's interesting to note in these scriptures. In contrast to the other gospels that we've studied. The beginning of a a biography, it tells you who someone is, where they came from. Uh, And instead of Jesus' name here, he, he doesn't immediately name him. He starts telling you his titles. They start telling you things about him. They say he was life. He was light. He was the light of men. This is, these are who he is, not just attributes of him. And he says, we, what we find out as we read through this is that Jesus is not just a prophet. He was the word. A lot of times we start to ask about, you know, what is the word? And people will hold up the Bible. This isn't, this isn't the word. Jesus is the word. This this is the words of Jesus. This is the words of God, but it is through God that we read the word of God. Jesus is the word, and through Jesus, the word of God, we can understand this word that was written to us. Amen? And it's only through the life of Jesus that we can understand what's being written in here. Okay. God is exactly like Jesus. And he always has been. Jesus looks very different than the God that man creates. He's completely different. All right, I'm, I'm getting into my next series here. Let me just stay preaching this so I don't keep you here all day. So Jesus was the word. There was a, um, there's a, uh, Donatello, not, not the uh, turtle. Uh, he did this carving of Jesus. And you see again, here he is writing on a desk. This is like in the 1400s as an eagle. So John uses this uh, this term, the word of God, and he knew that this phrase would resonate with both the Greeks and the Jews. Of course, the Jews had the word of God that was given to them, the people of God to help them live the God life. So they understood this phrase, the word of God. Now, what's also interesting is that the Greeks had this this term logos that they also used and. Logos was the word of wisdom. The wisdom was the logos. The the logos explained how the world works. The logos explained the logic at the base of everything. Logos meant that everything works together with a function that points towards something, points towards one direction, and it denotes order in the universe. So John decides he's talking to this dual culture, 
And he calls Jesus the Logos, the Word. What's interesting in all this introduction about Jesus, he doesn't even use his name until verse 17. He says in verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. And we're going to work our way up to this scripture. But what's really important to recognize here is that John is showing that Jesus is superior to every other created thing, every other created person, every other created concept like logos, every other created system. Jesus is above even Moses. Jesus is not just a prophet. He's the prophet of God. Let's continue here. John 1 chapter 9, it says there was true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man, not some, every man. He was in the world and the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Can you say amen? So John tells us the significance of Jesus on not just this miraculous birth, or even the miraculous pregnancy of his forerunner, he tells the significance of Jesus on a cosmic scale. Some went back to the beginning here on earth. Some went back the generations, you remember, from Abraham. John's like, we're going back to the beginning. Beginning of what? Yes. We're going back to the beginning. And in this, how he's playing off the Genesis narrative, in the beginning was Jesus, is what he's saying. At the very heart of everything is Jesus. Now, he uses this word cosmos. And this cosmos means this cosmic everything. It substitute for the word everything. And John uses this word. It's used in other gospels a handful of times. John uses it 80 times. He wants you to know that everything that's going on, Jesus is above it. When Jesus is in the scene, everything is here. There's nothing limited to you when Jesus is on the scene. Now, we saw in the Old Testament, there was a similar phrase called the heavens and the earth. So there's literally the earth, what we can see, and then there's everything else, right? Like there's the heavens, which wasn't just the celestial realm, but it was everything. And then there was the earth. And and this this mindset was kind of adopted from Greek philosophy. And I want to show you how brilliant John was. Plato kind of came up with this idea of infinity where this really blew people's minds. And Aristotle picked up on it and he came up with this kind of, he pulled parts of Plato's uh, teachings that he thought were logical and he taught that this, this cosmos, there was no beginning and there was no end. And as the Greeks grasped this philosophy, John wanted to let them know, yes, this is correct. There is a cosmos. And at the core is Jesus. Jesus created it and he is the center of everything. And so the plot of this gospel that John writes, it's laid out in the very beginning. It says, Jesus came into his own and his own is everything. 
Jesus came in the flesh here on earth, and it's the only place that he still needed to roam. And so he roamed here in the flesh, and he came into his own. And so sometimes um, we get this kind of theology as, as charismatics, as Pentecostals, and we say things like, we want to take over this land for Jesus, or we want to do something for Jesus. We want to take the gospel to wherever. But, but, but it all already belongs to Jesus, right? It'd be like taking my name, you taking my name to my, the trunk of my car. Like, I already own that. It may not know it, but I know it. It, it. I own it. And wherever I drive it is where it goes. And Jesus Christ owns the heavens and the earth. It is all his. It is all his. And sometimes we can fall into this mistaken uh, belief that if we don't do something, Jesus isn't the Lord of it, but he's actually the Lord of all. We need to get it settled in our heart that Jesus Christ is actually the Lord of all. He's the Lord of all. And at salvation, you became, you recognized his lordship, and he actually received ownership of you. At salvation, once we confess Jesus Christ, once we receive him as our savior, we actually give him the ownership papers. And at water baptism is when we actually go under the water and we say, here, I have now become a disciple of yours. And as we continue to walk in faith together, as we go to church, as we read the Bible, as we fellowship, as we come under uh, uh, instruction of older believers or people who walk before us, as you receive counsel from other people on things that you're not sure the wisdom of God, as you receive communion or water baptism, or as you serve your local church, you take part in the discipleship of Jesus. Salvation, the, 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 the prayer is not the end, it's the beginning. The prayer to receive him is, is the introduction. It's when we say the door is now open to you, Jesus. And once we decide to start actually living in faith toward Jesus is when the discipleship begins. That's when we actually, the beginning of the transformation of our inner man to the image of Christ. This is how it happens. It's not a one and done thing at an altar. And so people say, well, you know, well, well, what does salvation do? Salvation welcomes Jesus in to begin his work. He takes lordship and all of a sudden... Like many of you, uh, I was radically changed once I received Christ, but I had life change once I walked with people and I allowed this, I, I began to recognize the authority of Christ in this cosmos. Once I began to look that he's in charge of everything, now all of a sudden I didn't have to be. All of a sudden I was able to submit some things to his and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, this but um, it's amazing when you give up control of some things and they still work out and you find out God's really in control. Or you ask him to close doors, and he does. And it works better. The key here is that Jesus really does know what he's doing. Because he was at the beginning, and he's at the core of everything. And when we go ahead and sign up for his plan, uh, we get to receive of this life that he began forming before the foundation of the world. Again, in John's gospel, Jesus is always in control of everything. He is God. It says the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. We don't have to defend Jesus. We don't have to defend the gospel. There is nothing that can defeat the gospel. There is nothing that can defeat the light of Christ. It is, there is nothing. In John's gospel, for instance, John, never, John the Baptist never baptizes Jesus. There's never an instance in John's gospel where Jesus looks something other than God. He is the Lord. We don't see the foot washing. We, we, we don't, we, it's just a different perspective. And that's why he's the eagle. He's the greatest of all the beasts of the sky. Also, what's interesting in John 
There's no parables in John. Where other gospel writers go on these veiled parables, in John, Jesus gives very extended sermons on how you're supposed to be living and what you're supposed to be doing. How we are supposed to interact with one another. And another interesting fact is that in John, there's no exorcisms. There's no deliverance ministry in the Gospel of John because there's no actual battle with the enemy in John's mind. He's already defeated. Why would I need to speak to him? So in the Synoptic Gospels, like we talked about, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they had this similar thread going on. And this is, um, hear what I'm saying as a mature believer who believes in the Word of God. Um, what we see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke is they have a common narrative coming from a common people, giving a common story. John didn't feed off of them, and so he came up with a slightly different story that's equally true. And that's, I believe the Lord uses four Gospels to let us know, like, groupthink gets toxic. When you're just hearing the same people all the time, you start coming to the same conclusions and it gets unhealthy. And John comes in with a completely different perspective about the same God, which forces you to say, I have to look at these issues differently. I have to come with a different perspective. I have to understand that, uh, yes, maybe there is spiritual warfare that I need to get, take part in, but in the end, Jesus Christ is Lord and it all doesn't rest on my efforts. In the end, even if I get it wrong sometimes, he's still going to get it right. All of history does not rest on what I do in this year. He is still God. And I hope today that you can kind of rest in that in a new way, in a new understanding. And you're able to grasp like, man, the world's going a little crazy. But I don't have to get this thing perfectly. I don't have to, you know, some of you just need to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I, I don't have to get 2020 perfectly. Some of you, if you just make it into 2021, victory. Yeah. Right? Like, maybe you go into 2021 with a couple extra pounds, or you didn't achieve the goals that you thought in 2020. Listen, if you can still talk to your family in 2021, victory. Right? If you still got a church and you kept your faith through all this, victory. Right, right, like, yeah, come on. If you still can logically think and you're not sitting in bed at night sucking your thumb in a fetal position, victory, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Like, we're overcomers, but not always, right? There's some things that we got to overcome, right? Like, I'm, I'm just giving the Lord things that I can overcome later. I don't want to take all the victories right now. I don't, want him to, I don't want him to run out of stuff, so I'm saving some things for later. The victories. And so for John... The way he sets up his gospel, there's two sections, right? There, and there's a little interlude at the beginning, kind of this introduction we talked about. And, and then there's a, a massive section, and then a kind of a segue, and then another massive section, and then an end. In uh, the first section is called the, 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 the Book of Signs, or the Book of Miracles is what they call it. And then there's a little interlude, and then there's the, um, the Book of Glory. And in the... Um, and in this first section, we see, you know, there's these seven miracles that we see. And John has a very specific point for all this. The first miracle, water to wine, uh, also known as the coronavirus miracle, right? Like that's too many people have rediscovered wine in coronavirus season. And um, we're going to have to dial it back a little bit in 2021 here. That may go along with the extra weight that you might have found also. It's not the weighty glory. 
Can I tell you a story that has nothing to do with anything? Excellent. So um, we just had communion with a little juice and a little bread, right? And uh, does anybody know why we use juice and not wine? Okay. <laughs> Don't yell at once. All right. All right. So in, um, in the 1800s, uh, this holiness movement really began to come into, into being. Remember we talked about the histories of Pentecostalism and we talked about the holiness sanctified movements. And uh, in the holiness movement, they decided that um, having wine, it says, be filled with the, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And they were looking for the baptism of the Spirit, and they, in their minds, decided that if you drink wine, you can't get the Spirit. And so they came up with a rule that Pentecostals don't drink. And then people began to ask, well, then what were they drinking in the Bible? And they said, well, it wasn't fermented. The only problem is, if you don't pasteurize grape juice, it goes bad. And they didn't have pasteurization in the days of Jesus. And the only way you kept it from going bad is, anybody know? You ferment it. It was literally impossible to drink grape juice that wasn't fermented then. And so a minister in the 1850s invented grape juice to show that you could do communion without receiving wine and thus stay holy. How crazy is that? Now hear me, this is, this, is, this, is, this is actually germane to what we're talking about. We can invent theologies and then invent religious practices to shore up our false theologies. We can invent dress codes for women. You know the scripture where it says women shall not dress as men and they talk about pantalones and pants are for men. And The only problem is pants weren't invented when they wrote that scripture. So it's impossible for that to be talking about women don't wear pants. Does this make sense? And so in our religious desire to serve Jesus, in our religious desire to be acceptable, to live a life pleasing to him, we begin inventing ways to make it more difficult than it really is. Because the gospel is too simple. It's way too simple. Jesus Christ is God. He died for us. When we have faith in him, we're made right with God. That's just too easy. That's just, it's just too easy. We're like, it's got to be more difficult. Than, oh, sweet Jesus. All right. Uh, okay, I'm going to finish up with this. It's got to be more difficult than that. So we invent ways to make it more difficult so we feel better about being forgiven. We want to earn forgiveness. And the Bible says that Beware of people with itching ears who invent various doctrines. Now, I have found it, nobody goes to church hoping they'll feel better about themselves. They go to church because they feel bad about themselves. And they want to be punished so they can earn forgiveness. And so they say, please punish me, pastor. Give me a hard word. Rebuke me today so I feel better about my sin now that I've been punished. But the gospel, it says, love is not an attribute of God. John said, God is love. And that doesn't make sense to us. That doesn't make sense to our minds. Because we don't deserve that kind of love. But we can't understand this kind of love until we come into contact with this love. And he actually transforms our heart as we behold him. Then we're transformed to his image. I, I never had somebody be mean to me and say, and then me say, wow, that just helped me love more. 
I really appreciate you punishing me because now I really feel like I can love in a new capacity. It's only when you experience love. Okay, I'm just rambling now, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this another minute because I feel the Lord. Um, yesterday, you know, we have first Saturday serve on Saturday. The first Saturday of each month. That's why we call it first Saturday serve. You like that? And so I was praying, and you shouldn't need to pray to ask how you're going to serve somebody, right? Like, that's, that's not something you need to bring before the Lord, but I did. And I said, Lord, um, how do I, you know, what should I do? Because, you know, we were just going to feed some people or, you know, just do nice things. And the Lord brought to my memory things that I had had, people I'd had a little bit of conflict with in 2020. I don't know if you've had any conflict with people in 2020. I've had some ideological issues with some folks in 2020. And uh, I don't want to say I canceled them, uh, but I haven't talked to them in a while. Completely different. I, like, I put the membership on hold, right? I didn't cancel my subscription. I just put it on hold, right? And, um, and, and, and the Lord just said, why don't you go ahead and call those folks? I was like, huh. I didn't realize in my heart that I had, not only did I protect myself from the conflict, I had cut off love. And he's like, well, here's how you can serve some people and just, you just go love on them. He didn't say, you know, repent, because we didn't do anything bad to each other. We just kind of separated to, you know, keep the conflict to a minimum, kind of preserve the friendship. And I said, why don't you just go ahead and just reach out to these folks and reestablish some connection? And it just, I was like, yes, you are the God of staying connected. You are the God of love. This does not make sense because you are love. You never stop loving. And this is the miracle of who Jesus is. He transforms us into his image in a way that we never could have come up with on our own. Every other religion says, I just got to punish you if you do things bad. Jesus is like, nope, you're good. I already got punished. There's a missing child or there's a hurricane 150 miles away that we all need to know about right now. Can you turn off my phone there? Honey? Appreciate that. All right, let me finish this really quick. I'm sorry. I got, I'm not sorry, not sorry, right? Uh, so there's these seven miracles. He does the, 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 the water to wine. He healed the royal official son. Uh, he healed the paralytic at Bethesda. Has anybody been to Israel and saw the pool of Bethesda? It is insane how large this is. Google it. Insane. Uh, he fed the 5,000, walked on water, healed the blind man, and then he raised Lazarus from the dead. The second part, and I'm going to finish with this, is the book of glory. I would have gone into those more, but I starts at about chapter 13. Are you getting anything out of this? Oh, good. So there's this book of glory is the second part. So at the very beginning, he tells all these miracles. And at the second part, there's this book of glory. He does the I am's and he, and he goes through all, all that in this. And, um, and, uh, in, and in the, at the, you know, right here near the beginning of it, he says this in John chapter 14, verse six, he says, Jesus said to him, I am, this is indicative kind of, of how he teaches in this. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, but through me. Jesus makes it super clear, super clear. Like he is pointing, John is pointing to the divinity of Jesus in no uncertain terms. That Jesus Christ is different than every other way of thinking. We do not come to the father by getting punished. I don't know why I keep hitting this, but it's really been on my heart. We do not get to the father by feeling bad about what we did. And people say, well, if you say that, Pastor, people are going to think they can. No, no, they really won't. No, 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 one, no one's going to say, oh, God's not going to hate me if I cheat on my wife. All right, then let me go flirt with the neighbor. No one's going to do that. That's, that's not a fear we need to have. And, and if you are going to do that, you're not going to sit in service and hear it, right? That was already in your heart. 
right? Our job, our job is to receive the love of God and give it to people. What the enemy wants us to do, amen. What the enemy wants us to do is think that we can't receive that love and be focused on earning that love so we're not looking at the people we're supposed to be giving love to. People are so worried about that we're going to receive too much love from Jesus and too forgiveness. We're going to feel too good about our relationship. And, and then somehow we'll lead the world to hell. I, I, don't, I don't understand what the fear is there. But the real, the real point of this whole thing in Jesus is to tell people that there is love in this world. There is forgiveness. There is hope. There is peace. And it lives on the inside of me. And his name is Jesus. Like, like this is, I'm supposed to give this away as a lifestyle. There is reconnection. Like, man, they're, they're, like, 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 this is what Christianity is. Like, this thing with Jesus has already been settled. And, and if I neglect this thing, I go back and i like, okay, I, I got off the mark a little bit, right? And if I want to give away more love, I got to spend time with Jesus and receive more love, right? I, I get that. And if, you know, out of love with him, I want to spend time with him. I want to, I, want to, I want to know the answers to the mysteries of this age so I can help people with those. Not so I can somehow earn a relationship or I can get to heaven or... You know, the church can think that I'm okay. That's the last thing I care about, right? Like, I, I, you guys are my friends and people who've already said I'm not a Christian. Uh, you know, I don't really care, right? But I, I, I want to love people in the name of Jesus so they can have everlasting life. Okay, I'm going to finish with this. You guys are like slowing me down here. John 14, 16. Watch this, how he said we're going to do this. He said, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another helper <laughs> that he may be with you forever. Now, why would he give you the Holy Ghost if you're constantly earning your relationship with him? Why would he do that? Why would he do that? He didn't say, you know, I'll, he'll be around if you're doing the right stuff. You'll, you'll know because he'll be with you. No, he's going to be with you forever. Like this thing is finished. I am the way, the truth, and life. This is who I am. Holy Ghost will help you out. But you need to know who I am so you can go out. and. Okay, last thing. Stop it. Please stop. And so in, 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 in John, he moves through uh, the glorification uh, through the crucifixion and through the resurrection. And, and stand with me. This is the last thing I want to hit right here. <clears throat> and John tells why he wrote all this stuff. We're going to answer that question from the beginning. Is this true? Who is he? What's the point here? John 20, 31. These things have been written. Watch this. So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Can you say amen? <clears throat> That's the point of the book of John. That's why he writes about the miracles. That's why he sent this thing with a different perspective. Look, I sent this so you would know, you would understand, and that you would believe that Jesus is the anointed Messiah that we have been waiting for. He is the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Let's pray. Father, we just love you today. I thank you for these amazing people who suffered through my bunny trails. And I just forgive that person who kept pulling me off track, Father. You would stay your hand, Lord. <clears throat> I'm joking, obviously. But Father, I just, um, we love you today. And Lord, I just ask, um, stand with me if you would, honey. Um, I just ask in, in the name of Jesus. I just felt, we talked last week at the end of service about we're coming out of the wilderness. This wilderness of 2020, and it's the most crowded wilderness ever. And uh, people are just coming out. And I just, um, I pray, I pray, Father, today. Ha, I pray that by the power of the Spirit, 
pray by the power of the Spirit that it would be settled in our heart that Jesus is the Christ and that we would have life. Ha. Huh. Life. We would have, wow, we would have life. Here we go. Ha, huh, here we go. Huh. We just declare life in every area of darkness that you think the light and the darkness have been fighting. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome the light. I declare in your life it is impossible for the darkness to overcome the light. I declare in the name of Jesus. I declare in the name of Jesus that the wheat and the tares may be growing up together, but in the end of the age He is going to harvest that wheat and the tares will be burned in the fire. Man, I feel the Lord. I feel the Lord. Focus on the wheat. Focus on the good. Focus on the light. Do not be distracted by the darkness. Do not be distracted by the conflict. Continue to show love. Continue to foster connection. Wow, Jesus is alive. And He fostered connection. We thank You today, Jesus. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Just one more second here. I just really feel this. We just declare deliverance over every condemnation, over every accusing spirit in your life. There are some people that even in your righteousness, people have accused you. And I just see um, offending, offended people um, wanting to get their offense on you through gossip. And um, it's not about you. It's about the darkness trying to win out over light and it will not overcome you. We just forgive those. Wow, 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 wow. Wow, we just, wow. Wow, just receive that right now. Just, um, we're going to dismiss you here in a second. I'm, I'm, wow. Um, I, I don't, this isn't new age or anything. I just want you to, just, if, if that's you, if you feel a pressure in your chest, if you feel the conflict, like it's right here in front of you, just, Kind of just as well as you can right now, even emotionally, just take a deep breath and relax and just see the Lord, the Lord delivering you from that thing. Just close your eyes and allow, just let him take it. He is the burden bearer. That's what we learned in Luke. He is the burden bearer. He is your burden bearer. You may not get it right. Just repent, ask for forgiveness, and let's move forward into our mission. I declare forgiveness of sins. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Hallelujah. Come on. Yeah. So good. So good. So good. So good. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Man, it is such a pleasure to be able to gather together with friends and family. Amen. Amen. You know, at the end there, as, as we're praying and as, as Pastor Carl was, was uh, praying for us in closing, man, I, I, I had my eyes closed and all I could see was the face of my kids. Hallelujah. I just saw the face of my son just staring at me and smiling. I saw the face of my daughter just staring at me. And I'm like, God, what, what, is, what, is, what am I seeing here? Like, I love their faces, you know, and, 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 uh, and I have no problem. But like, what are you trying to show me in this, right? Like, you ever ask God, like, okay, I see what you're showing me, but, but what, right? And he's like, you, you see the way you're, you're looking at them right now, man? That's the way I look at you. 
Man, that's the way I look at you. And I just felt like God was saying to some people here this morning, I'm staring at you with pleasure. And all you can think about are the mess ups. And I don't even see that. All I see is you. All I see is you. All I see is you, and you are my joy. You are my pleasure. And I just, as Pastor Carl was praying, man, I just felt like God told me to tell you that you are his joy. You are his joy, amen. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus this morning. God bless you guys. We love you. Thank you for joining us today. Jump on the Bible reading plan if you haven't, and we will see you guys next Sunday. And if you can fellowship outside, we'd really appreciate it. Have an awesome day.